It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. The Minnesota Vikings have their draft class favorites and least favorites coming up on today's show. I'm Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings. I'm giving myself a C- minus for this weekend, just kind of overall. This is Arif Hassan with Pro Football Network. The consensus big board hated all of your drafts. Plenty more consensus board shenanigans coming up on today's Minnesota football party. Locked on sports, Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota football party. It's your guys hanging out talking next level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings Insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota Football Party. And it starts now. It's a post-draft Monday on Locked On Sports Minnesota. I'm Sam Ekstrom covering the Vikings here at Locked On Sports Minnesota. I'm at Sam Ekstrom on Twitter, and I'm joined as always on a Monday morning by Arif Hassan, Pro Football Network, at Arif Hassan NFL, Luke Braun, at Luke Braun NFL. Um, First of all, congratulations, gentlemen, on getting through the draft. You both did great work in your respective lanes, Arif Hassan uh, via typing journalism stories consensus board updating luke braun working locked on vikings doing the postcast with us great work um and applause to you guys hats off for a job well done thanks to all who consume that content today's show focuses on the aftermath we pick up the pieces of the draft particularly for the minnesota vikings which players will contribute in 2023 is jaron hall the quarterback of the future Do we have any UDFA nuggets? The Vikings have a UDFA class of 15 players and the NFC North as well. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more at FanDuel.com slash Locked On. All right, honing in on the Vikings, Luke Braun, your favorite pick of the six that Kwesi Adolfo Mensa made. Uh, Jaron Hall, definitely like per value. Uh, we talked about it a lot on the postcast. I was huge on him ever Mm -hmm. since I discovered him last Tuesday. Uh, big Jaron Hall fan, lifelong fan, been following his career for almost. He did. Yeah. I just didn't get to day three quarterbacks till like the last week. And then I was like, oh, hey, this dude balls. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I definitely my favorite. I heard about him earlier than you did. 
and we know Luke Braun that you love all 25 year old quarterbacks. Like, yeah, that's no, just, Luke, Luke loves never had a problem with an sure. old quarterback in the draft. And that's with definitely the only thing I'm considering about quarterbacks is age, yeah. mm-hmm. maybe some injury history. Those so. two things are the only two traits. <laughs> so I like Jared Hall as well. It, man. I, I, this guy's I injury history is as long as Case Cookus's. <laughs> um, okay. Jaron Hall is very old. Jaron Hall is also very fun to watch on yes. tape. Um, Arif, what are the red flags? We'll let you be the wet blanket here. Why <laughs> is Jaron Hall going to fail? Uh, I mean, I happily fulfill that role. <laughs> um, so uh, there's there's a couple of reasons that uh, he's an older prospect, right? Like obviously he played for a while at BYU, but he also did the traditional religious mission, right? So for the first two years um, of his enrollment at BYU, he was not playing football. He was on a religious mission. Um, but so, you know, maybe the age is a little bit different because a lot of the potential signals for age are a little bit more complicated than that, right? Because it could be you're declaring early because you're a good player. And so if you're declaring late, you're not that good of a player. It could be, you know, that you had an athletic advantage when you were playing, which is not really the case. You're on a religious mission, right? So um, there are some like, you know, uh, ways to debate about kind of the age issue there, but the injury issues are extraordinary, right? Like he had multiple concussions in 2019, missed five games due to that. I had a hip injury in 2020 before the season even started. And so he missed the entire year, took a medical red shirt that year. He missed a couple of games in 2021 as a result of a core injury, which is usually, usually means a sports hernia. But in this case, I think it means uh, it was like a rib injury, if I remember. Uh, and then um, he also missed a game in 2022, the bowl game because of an ankle, which missing a bowl game because of an injury doesn't mean the same thing to me personally as, as missing other games due to injury because there's already a lot of reasons to opt out of a bowl game. And so the threshold for what kind of injury counts as a reason to opt out of a bowl game is a little bit smaller, but I think altogether, all of that um, is a little bit concerning. Now you can do the thing where you like parse out each individual injury and think about kind of what those mean, right? Because like having two concussions or three concussions in 2019, does that mean anything injury wise in 2023? I don't know. Um, My understanding is, very, very slightly, if if at all, right? But certainly it's not going to impact his ability to sustain a hamstring, right? Like, it, they're not related, right? Um, but maybe the bigger question is not whether or not these injuries are piling up because he's a particularly frail person or because these injuries are causing other injuries or he's returning too soon, and maybe because of his style of play. Um, he's a very fun player to watch here, right, Sam? Part of that has to do with the fact that he's pretty athletic, right? And he he's willing to run the ball. He's a little bit of a smaller quarterback, at least in terms of height, but he carries it pretty well. Uh, and I think he kind of knows that he's built a little bit like a running back. And so he dives into contact a little bit. He's very quick to run. He's more athletic than most of his competition. And so he does a pretty good job getting yards. I think he has uh, 780 career yards, 798, 798 career rushing yards. And importantly, he probably has over a thousand career rushing yards because the NCAA counts sacks and sack yardage as rushes and rush yardage. Right. And, and probably when you take all that into account, you get rid of it. Now, the thing that really concerns me is he actually does not take that many hits in the pocket. And so the fact that he has a high injury rate, despite that is pretty interesting. He gets rid of the ball really quickly. He does a really good job of throwing away the ball under pressure. Probably actually he's a little bit overly aggressive about throwing the ball away under pressure. But um, the fact that he sustained a high number of injuries either means, you know, hey, maybe his injury rate is an outlier and it's not going to continue going forward. Or it means he 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 throws himself when he does get contact. He throws himself into it so aggressively that it's going to continue to be an issue. That said, I don't think the Vikings see him as a quarterback of the future. And so if they only see him as a guy who can be a pretty capable backup, um, that's probably fine. Like, I like you know, if that's the red flag, if injury is the red flag and he he's not, you know, we're not hoping that he hits this extraordinary ceiling, right? Then, I don't know, I feel like, you know, as a guy who can push Nick Mullins, I mean, that's probably not a bad pick. Yeah, red flags being age, injuries, and size, or lack thereof, not really reflective of his football skills, which are exquisite. And I'm sure, Luke Braun, that's why you kind of fell in love with this guy, and I did after digging into him more and looking at the play-action stats and the deep ball stats and his ability to just manipulate the pocket with those subtle movements to kind of hop in and out of of pressure. It's fun to watch, and I think fans are going to love 
the preseason watching to see what he can do. That's going to, that, that to me is the immediate story of the preseason, which has lost a lot of luster because they don't play starters. That is going to be a one story for me. Yeah. Uh, it'll be really fun to watch the twos. I, I think for me, the, the best outcome of Jaron Hall, and I think it's a pretty good one is let's say, you know, it's, it's next year. They haven't extended Kirk. They let Kirk walk. They draft a rookie in the first round, and now you go into camp and you have the rookie competing with Jaron Hall. How do you feel about Jaron Hall in that role as the kind of the guy the rookie needs to be? And I think that he can definitely be that guy. Like, I, I think he's good enough to be that guy for sure. Um, I love the way that he extends plays. And yeah, he, he like buys time a lot, uh, which I guess doesn't lead him to get that many hits because he does kind of fall away from from contact a little bit, which can cause inaccuracy. And you see some of the most like hideous interceptions when he does that. And I think that's part of the reason he falls to the, to the fifth round. Um, but yeah, sure. Like they, you could have the health thing. He could maybe just never get better at certain stuff. Sometimes he like tinkers with his launch point a little bit and then he'll throw off a bad base and then it's all arm and it goes like sails on him. And it's like, oops, yeah. the safety got it. Well, crap. Uh, um, <laughs> he's got a baseball arm, though. Uh, baseball background, Patrick yep. Mahomes. Yep. Yeah, he's and, and that's another thing that he's a little about. bit too aware of their own elasticity as a result of their cross sport. Like it's good to have it. It's yep. probably not good to play as if that's your advantage. Right. And he's he talked about like looking forward to being able to kind of be dedicated to one sport. Like he he kind of never felt like he could get his body in the right shape for one or the other and always felt like he was straddling the line. Um, so I'm interested to see how that goes. But look, if it goes up in flames, it would not be the first time I've been burned by falling in love with a Mormon. <laughs> um, this is the <laughs> this is the list of fifth round or later quarterbacks in the last five years that have even earned the opportunity to play a representative amount of uh, snaps in the regular season. Tyler Huntley, uh, UDFA, Mike White. Brock Purdy, um, and he, that was an enigma because he was thrown. They didn't want to play him, but because of injuries, they did, and he was great. Gardner Minshew, um, and then I wouldn't call this a successful tenure, but David Blau and Devlin Hodges. So you got half a dozen guys out of how many late-round or UDFA quarterbacks that have circulated in the last five years. It would be rare for the Vikings to let go of Kirk and say, all right, Jaron team's yours. Luke scenario where they draft someone higher and have them compete. That's still kind of an odd scenario. Cause if you have competing a quarterback competition, then you have none. It, it, it just sets the table up for an awkward off. It's, it's like I your, think. your picket, your picket Trubisky thing. Yeah. Your, your picket Trubisky thing. You're, you're asking him to be the Trubisky in that situation, which is not the highest ask i don't think but i mean it's high for a fifth round pick yeah for sure but i like him i like him too um let's talk about some of the higher up guys obviously jaron hall's not you know going to play this year probably not going to contribute uh maybe he beats out nick mullins and is the qb2 but of the other picks particularly the top four um who do you think contributes most in 2023 probably addison um who else do you like arif uh, I mean, <laughs> besides Addison. Yeah, yeah, um, that, that's a little too obvious. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's not really many other picks there. So the issue is kind of what you perceive like Jay Ward's role to be. You know, if he's going to be uh, do everything kind of safety that has got the ability to play the overhang, has got the ability to play the slot and the nickel, there is an opportunity for him to play. Now, the Vikings do kind of have people with that skill set. Uh, expectedly in Cameron Bynum, unexpectedly in Josh Metellus. I think that if you'd watched him in college, you wouldn't think of him as a man coverage safety, but he could do it. He's pretty good at it. <laughs> so, um, you know, you've got you've got that skill set on the roster, and so you've probably got some comfort if you're Brian Flores in designing a defense that can take advantage of those bodies, maybe for, you know, 20% or fewer snaps or something like that. So I could see that, but that just does not seem like the most likely outcome for me. I think that probably unless Jaqueline Roy, you know, really demonstrates that he's got pass rush potential, which I don't know that he does. I think it's probably going to be the most boring possible answer here, which is Makai Blackman, right? Which is, um, 
I don't know, like his size is such a weird thing to kind of wrestle with because he's a lot lighter, but it's not like he's short. And so do you play him on the outside with Byron Murphy on the inside? Right. Like, I don't know. Uh, in that case, you know, that's a guy that has got the ability to, to, to play right away. Uh, hopefully you're not matching him up against like an AJ Brown or anything like that. Not like a T Higgins or a Jamar chase, but, um, you know, that might be kind of the most likely scenario for somebody aside Addison to be able to contribute on day one. Makai Blackman, Luke Braun to me felt like a reach. Um, 24 years old, one hit wonder. And so many cornerbacks beyond him that I would have been really happy with. Now, I do. You do tend to fall into the trap with the never heard of him syndrome. Like when you when a guy gets called who you've done really no digging on, and you have done digging on other guys, you say, "Oh, well, they they screwed it up." I don't want to fall into that trap, but it does seem like Blackman was not on a lot of radars. And He's one hundred and eighty fifth on the consensus big board, drafted at one hundred two. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I just scrolled. I'm like, oh, we forgot this guy. He's not even on the list because I was just <laughs> scrolling. <laughs> I look. If anyone, it wouldn't be me. I'm copying and pasting names. Like that's. I am. I am the premier copy paster of the draft world. Okay. It, yeah. It would In be the somebody consensus else. board. Does there come a point low enough at this on the consensus board where it's just Emery Hunt's board? <laughs> I mean, I mean, Emory Hunt does dig pretty deep. He contributes a lot of names as a result of that. Um, but no, I mean, I get like, I've got boards with over a thousand players on it, right? Um, I think what, oh my God. Um, there's a proprietary board that I can't name, unfortunately, that's, that's got 2,200 names on it. Oh my God. <laughs> right, yeah. Is um, it, but like our lads go it, 600 Can you deep. say if it's one person or if that's a team? It's one person. That person needs help. <laughs> Daniel House. I've that's not I've told natural. That. I've I've told them that. <laughs> um and and it is a it is a weird board. For a while Darnell Washington was number 1 on on the board. Not at the final board, okay. but he's like number 3 on it, so it's like still kind of weird. But uh <laughs> But yeah, no, there's I, I've got a board with like a, a 2000. I've got a couple boards with with 1000, um a bunch with like 600 like NFL draft buzz and Great Blue North and you know, obviously the 500 plus boards with like Lance Airline and stuff like that. So you know, I've got like some pretty deep boards. Um, there, there was not a player drafted that was not on at least three of the of the seventy boards that I have. So I will say that. But I, same, I will never forget to copy and paste a name. <laughs> no, I and I, I'm sorry I accused you of that. I don't want to impinge upon your, your credibility here. But there were 13 cornerbacks that were above Blackman. On the consensus board at the time the Vikings chose him, he might be a good player, but from a value perspective, um, I think you could have waited. I think you could have waited. If they had drafted him at 141, the board would have thought it was a reach. Like that's that's like kind of how mm-hmm. wild it is, right? So I don't know. Like you He's maybe you're want... on the board, I think, right? What? Is what he below that? Jay Ward on the consensus board? I thought Jay Ward was like 170 something. Yeah, Jay Ward wants everything. So yeah, he was below Jay Ward. But like, well, you know, it, there's a, there's like a ton of reasons you might not like some of these other guys, like Garrett Williams, ACL, right? Like, okay, I guess I get it, right? But like you go you go through this list and it's like, well, how many red flags do you need to go through before you're okay with the 179 weight, like the 178 pound weight with red flag? Like that's it's just a very weird situation, especially because he had like one year of production and he's an older guy. It's, it's, it's like, if your breakout year is your, is your age 25 year or age 24 year, that, that's, yep. that's rough. Yeah. yeah um, it, I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe it, the it, names going off the board in the fifth and sixth at cornerback. It was crazy to me. Um, they seem, and they all seem to me better than Blackman. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy 
of putting a dish together yourself. I'm pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. It's interesting because I, I did get a chance to actually like watch him down a little bit. And uh, yep, don't think that that's a third round guy. <laughs> here's, here's uh, a I, I, he, yes, my my favorite pick. He's my least favorite um, for uh, go ahead, Arif, but for r- reasons that I think are really difficult to see improving. Um. So uh, speaking of like age guys that that may, I don't know. He actually is a lot better size. Um, you'd much prefer like Riley Moss, right? From Iowa. I don't at think he was on the board. Who, who was gone yes. at the time. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm just, well, the Vikings traded down, right? Um, but like... Uh, they didn't trade past him. Oh, did, he went right before He was game. 83. No Vikings corners, traded right. from 87. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just because I'm thinking about like guys that like you wouldn't expect would be better um maybe uh, in riley moss's case for racist reasons but like this guy is like <laughs> has been producing for like i'll be honest right um but this guy's been yeah, producing it's very funny. Funny. well it's well, yeah that's fair yeah um but this guy's been producing for like three years and one of those years was on one of the best defenses in college football and people are concerned about a speed he ran like a four four five he's like a 200 pound corner with like insane pick production right and it's just like yeah he got like he like a lot of people were just like, oh, I've never even heard of this guy. And it's like, come on, like, watch football. And now we're at like this point where we're watching like Makai Blackman. And we're just like, I don't know if they're like, they're in the same realm of comparable in terms of, in terms of prospects. So I don't know. It's like pretty weird, but yeah, like you said, Luke, there's like a bunch of red flags that you're worried about. Yeah. And it, it's interesting because a lot of the, like the name I'm hearing the most of like, why didn't we take this guy instead is Keely Ringo, who I, I hated on a bunch as a first rounder, but by pick one Oh two, I agree with that. <laughs> Um, because a, a lot of the issues that I think sunk Keely Ringo that far, and he went a couple picks later to the Eagles, um, are the same issues Makai Blackman has. Like one of the biggest issues he has is that he'll turn his hips way too fast and he'll like beat you over the top of the route, which is not winning on comebacks and curls. And so he loses to that a lot of the time. Uh, and, and like the breakdown kind of turn back around footwork isn't there. There's a lot of rawness in, in that kind of way, which again, 25 year old prop 24 year old prospect like that's concerning when you've been around that long that there are those like rawnesses and then i I think i get what what happened here (laughs) like i think i get what brian flores saw in terms of oh he's like really physical and he's got a lot of fight in him even though he's slight and he can get you know he's kind of losing around sometimes i don't know if that's great right like i got a lot of but but you you don't want me out there exactly the like i can see that brian flores but always got the want to and maybe i can teach him to you know use his arm length better or whatever um and i can see kind of like where that logic was that doesn't mean i have to agree with it but at least i get it but uh, yeah i i think it's a corner they were high on it's he was probably the or he had to be the top corner on their board at 87 no corners went between 87 and 102. So that had to be the guy that they wanted and they traded back and, and still got him. So good work. Uh, but it felt like it, it definitely feels like Brian Flores saying I can fix that about a, a few too many things, which I think good coaches yeah. can, can do. Well, I mean, you get, you gotta remember the kind of got blinders spent on a year with, um, with Mike Tomlin, right in Pittsburgh. And you've seen that Mike Tomlin video, right? Where he's like, don't tell me, you know, that this guy is raw. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point of coaches. And it's like, mm-hmm. look, Tomlin, you're one of the greatest coaches of all time. I get it. But this is about valuation, right? <laughs> like, yeah. this is about where you pick a guy. And so if a guy is raw, you probably pick him later because there's more you got to do and you're not going to be 100% on all your coaching. But if 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 that's like the thing, right? If, if his thing is like coaches who are afraid of raw players are lazy coaches, which I empathize with to like a degree. Um you end up probably banging the table for 
for some of these guys that just like I don't know. The the Vikings like must have the been the process of a lot of big draft busts. Is a coach saying, "Oh, I can totally fix that," and then it turns out that that can't be fixed because that guy just either doesn't have the the athleticism he needs to do it, or he just will never learn the step, or some guys just kind of can't figure that out. Yeah, it is just such a rough side by side when you think about Ringo, or since we're talking about him versus Blackman. Ringo is six two with four three speed, and he's twenty, and he went three picks later, and Blackman 20. is five eleven. 24 with one year of pretty productive play that yeah and i was i was i was less uh willing to bash ringo if you remember like right before Mm -hmm. our um or like like i liked ringo a little bit um again not like more than i like liked deontay Banks, so i consider to be like a, a really good pick around the 20s but like i thought that ringo was like a bottom of the like to me he was a better prospect than like jeff gladden right like that's kind of how i viewed him and, and Jeff Gladney, I think most people at the time considered him a first round prospect. And so um, to me, that's kind of where Ringo was. Now he ranked like 49 of the consensus board. So like eventually a lot of people soured on him when they originally liked him a lot. And a lot of people see him as a zone only guy, right? Because of his, uh, you know, tendency to turn his hips too soon. You know, the, the fact that his speed and his fluidity are not aligned, he's just not a very fluid guy. And so you want him to click and close more than you want him to, to follow somebody, especially on, on, um, on like scramble drills and stuff like that. Um, and so I get it that, you know, a lot of people saw him as his own only guy, but like, honestly, at some point, I think that aside from the boxes that you put a guy in, in terms of what your what you think their best situation is, you should ask, like when you're at a pick like that, when you're, when you're looking at some guy that you'd crossed off your board in the first or second round, because of their, their scheme fit, when you're at the bottom of the third round, top of the fourth round, you should reevaluate kind of the way that you thought about that. Because if you take a look at a Makai Blackman and you take a look at Akili Ringo and 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 yours in your argument is, hey, we evaluate Akili Ringo as his own only guy, you really should be asking, what are we going to ask these two guys to do? Who is better at that? Not what is Keely Ringo better at versus all of the other things I could ask him to do. But between all of my draft picks, who is better at the thing I'm going to ask them to do? And I think the answer would still be Keely Ringo. Even if you're putting him in a suboptimal situation for him, you're still probably in a better spot than than Makai Blackman, who might be playing to his strengths, but they may not be as good as Keely Ringo playing to his weaknesses. And so that was that's kind of the way that I view kind of a lot of these you know, this guy fell like 30 spots because he doesn't fit any of the team scheme stuff. And it's like, well, eventually, you know, he does. Like at some point he just does. And at I some point, the va- it. it's just worth it anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that's exactly like, what happened with the commanders taking Forbes over Christian Gonzalez in the first round. Oh my God. That's like a huge reach. And I think that's exactly why it happened. I'm going to tell a small story about this. I know that Sam loves it when we go off topic. So, 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 you know, I got sure the consensus board grades and the Washington commanders didn't do all that well. Um, and, uh, and this, and, and, you know, this guy's like going back and forth. Like, why did you, um, why, why, why did you, you know, rank the, the commander so low if you had, you know, this guy ranked 47th uh, and he went 47th and actually he went eight, he was ranked 82nd. And so, uh, you know, that was the back and forth for a little bit. Uh, and then he's like, well, I mean, you hated the Emmanuel Forrest pick. I mean, everybody hated the Jahan Dotson pick. How did that turn out? And I was like, I mean, Jahan Dotson was ranked 31st and went 16th, right? Like, I don't, I don't know that like he has done anything to suggest that he shouldn't have been ranked 31st, right? He had a really good rookie year. He did not have like a, an elite rookie year. And the guy's like, why are you hating on this guy? And he's like, I'm not with, he was good. That's all he was. And you drafted him. Like, I don't like, and so people get like really weird about this stuff. Like, like Emmanuel Forbes could turn out to be fine. And that wouldn't make him worth it at 16 or wherever they ended up drafting him. Cause what Dotson was 16. So I'm like confusing the numbers, but, but you know, the guy is like, look, Jahan Dotson, you know, he had more touchdowns per game than any other rookie. He just got hurt. And it's just like, I, f- I just feel like that's part of the evaluation. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like I've seen some pretty good rookie receiver seasons. Trust me. I have, I have seen some pretty good rookie receiver seasons. <laughs> There's a guy on the same team as Washington that had a better rookie season. Like, look, it's it, you, a guy can be good and be a bad pick. And I think that's, what's going to happen with Forbes. There's a lot of red flags with him, obviously that I'm concerned with. You remember me bagging on that pick earlier, um, before the before the draft ever happened as as a potential target for the Vikings to me he was a second round guy but like 
I think that Luke's right that like a lot of this is driven by, you know, we're, 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 you know, zeroing in on this particular system. And, and this guy is the only one within this range that fits the system. And it's like, I bet, I mean, Christian Gonzalez is 20. I bet you could ask him to do anything and you'll be fine. Like that's, I think that that's where a lot of this kind of screws up. Like, I think the Vikings for a lot of this draft ended up zeroing in on guys that they felt were exclusively particularly good fits as opposed to guys that may not be amazing fits within their own skill set, but may have been better players for that pick and eventually for that system, even if that's not maximizing their, their particular skills. Um, interesting too, like getting, as we get more data on Quazy's MO, not necessarily picking for athleticism, you know, not, not valuing youth, um, being okay, taking a 24 year old, 25 year old guy, which he did two out of the six picks. Um, which tells me that he is very malleable, which is a good thing, but like he, he probably listens to recommendations from coaches a lot and takes that yes. into account yeah. and takes into account things like watching their interviews on YouTube, which he talked about. So maybe not quite as data driven in the approach as we might've assumed he was. Um, let's, Quasi's let's talked about think, that. He He's talked about that yeah. in like how everything is data, like not just, actual yeah. measurable number data but how like scouting reports are data interviews are data and everything and like that's kind of how he approaches analytics and I, I also just want to mention a couple of those like bad ris scores like i think it's makai blackman was the one that was dealing with a back injury during the combine and stuff and yeah, I jordan, addison, jordan addison i think has Didn't was it addison jordan addison? Back injury? roy roy was the the worst tester roy was roy, yeah roy roy yeah. is an abysmal tester but like addison didn't he shut down the combine partway through? Um, because he was like, Am I mixing my USC like guys that? up? Jordan mm. Addison did had a bad RES. Yeah, yeah. no, he did. He well, did. But like Blackman yeah. did too. But I think a lot of Blackman's bad RES is driven by the fact that he's 178 pounds. Um, which I right. guess, and, I guess and Addison, they have more athletic data. They've got chip tracking data and stuff. So like somebody like, like Addison plays a lot faster than his 40 was. And I think Blackman does too. So yeah, there Addison's might be like other analytics percentile. in there. But which we should we should talk about this really quickly, right? So the problem is it's really difficult to use USC Pro Day data this year because they were right. testing in a monsoon. And so yeah, that is not great data to have. And then also either Addison or Blackman, we'll probably check right after the show. Either Addison or Blackman had to shut down their combine because they got injured partway through, at least while running the 40. And so it's really difficult to get a handle on what that that speed data says. I will say though, like a lot of people are approaching this approach to to data, right? When we're like, hey, this guy's pretty lightweight. I'm kind of concerned about it. As if a single example or a counterexample can kind of disprove that we're talking about the odds and the numbers, right? Like but there's a, a TikTok Smith. Right. <laughs> there's a TikTok going around about, you know, this guy that's like, hey, look, I don't understand why people hate Addison. You you talk about his size, but hey, here's three small guys that did really well. And they all ran like a four three, right? Like all of the all of the tiny guys this guy's talking about ran like a four three. <laughs> and so it's like kind of weird. And he's like, speed, I don't care about speed. Here's a bunch of guys in the four five range that did really well. And it's like, okay, yeah, but those guys are like 210 pounds. Like I like, what are we doing here? Like it's it's really crazy. Um, the data suggests, and I'm only ever gonna use the word suggest here. The data suggests that the smaller you are as a receiver, specifically as a receiver, the more important it is that you run very quickly. Now, Jordan Addison might actually be quite a fast player because the data that we have on his speed is not very good, at least from a 40-yard dash perspective because of the, the two issues that we mentioned, right? But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be concerned about these things. It is less likely for a first-round receiver who weighs 100... Uh, under 193 or something like that, I think was the cutoff that I found. And that might be overly specific. If we said at 195, it's fine. It is less likely for a receiver under 195 in the first round to succeed than it is for a receiver above 195. Now, that might lead to some overdrafting of receivers that are over 195 pounds. And very often when we find this stuff out, the next couple of years, the NFL overdrafts those receivers and then that, that rehashes out the data. But it is just less likely. For a receiver that runs a 4.65 and, and slower, it is less likely for them to succeed. That does not mean that there aren't Jarvis Landry's out there in the world, but it does mean that the odds of that person busting are a little bit higher than a similar receiver at, at the same position. 
And so that's all we're saying. We're not saying that Addison is 100% going to bust. We're going to say that the numbers don't look good for him. Um, that said, I like the pick. Like we, we can talk about red flags. That doesn't mean I don't like the pick. I like the pick a lot. Um, you know, he's, uh, first of all, it's a position that matters a lot. I think that that's the most important way to, to look at it because hard to evaluate players, but, um, he's a really remarkably good route runner. He has multiple years of production. He's younger than a lot of the guys the Vikings drafted. Um, and, and he's got kind of a lot of potential upside here. Like the age thing with Blackman is another concern because why has he never gotten over 180 pounds in his career? He is 24. He has been in an FBS weight room for a long time. Addison's just a little bit different. He's younger and he's got more time and room to, to build. And so the weight concern is just a little bit less for me. Plus he is polished in a way that Blackman is not right. He is polished. He's ready to go. Um, and he's got a good understanding of the way cornerbacks play football, which means he's got a good understanding of how to play receiver against them. So just, just as an aside, Sam, sorry. Um, no, that was a good, good aside. You brought it back to Addison. I love relevant, um, you know, offshoots when we can tie it back. That's great. <laughs> Let, let's get into we'll the try to be less relevant in the future. Yeah, we'll, we'll do our <laughs> yes, best. Thank you. I know you will. Let's talk depth chart. Let's talk murkiness of the, the secondary still with the Vikings here after a quick word from FanDuel, FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Uh, NBA playoffs are here. We're into the second round now. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the, uh, during the NBA playoffs. New customers. Get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. They've got great promotions over at FanDuel. It might be a deposit match. It might be an odds boost. Check those out on FanDuel, which is a safe and secure app to use. Get paid instantly after you win and claim that no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on. No better place to bet the playoff action than at America's number one sports book, FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. And folks, you can also subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also free on YouTube. Subscribe there. Thank you to uh, all that have subscribed, getting us over 5,000 subscribers at this point. We appreciate all the new followers we picked up during the draft, and we appreciate our everydayers who tune in every day on this show. So I, I'm I'm taking inventory now. The Vikings have added Ward. Let's think of him as kind of a wild card, but maybe like a big nickel. Um, they've added Blackman. This has got to be the murkiest depth chart of any cornerback group in the NFL. Byron Murphy, and then what? And and then battles, right? Um, how do you feel like the Vikings have done addressing that room? Maybe they're not done. Veterans are still out there. But Luke Braun, <laughs> as Arif puts his hands in the air, Luke Braun, <laughs> your thoughts on the cornerback room as currently constructed? Uh, considering the disaster that it was going into this offseason, I think they did about as well as you can. You're ne not going to rebuild that in one offseason. You're not going to go from having just nobody under contract to having a good room um, in, in one year. I think that takes a little bit more building. But the way Brian Flores does things on defense, I think all these guys are going to contribute. It's a, a lot about, you know, having depth as much as it is about having that kind of you know, the studs on the top end, but it's not going to be, all right, here's our three corners. Here's our three backups. I think everybody rotates in a little bit and you, and we can define that based on snap counts. Um, and I think that's what you're battling over in, in training camp is who gets to go in more, but it's, it's going to be about hunting matchups. So I think the way to evaluate this, and I haven't really gone through this thought process, but this is probably how it will work for me is, all right, we're going up against a team with a, a really big, like mismatch tight end. Who goes up against that? We have a, a, a clean answer to who matches up with that guy who matches up with a shifty slot who matches up with uh you know a, a running back that's really dynamic in the past game who do we have for all of those matchups that's i think the way that brian flores ideally would want to have like a guy that answers all those questions um 
and you know the snap counts then just kind of work out how they have to depending on who you play that week uh but you know you'll you'll have it's not like you're gonna bench byron murphy if he doesn't have a good matchup or anything like that but that's going to be kind of the way that i i think i i want to think through that but it's not like it's a good room i think they finally made it a room that's not a joke but <laughs> we crawled out of that but it's not going to be the, the strength of their defense uh and i i think fans are going to need to like come to grips with that real quick and be like yeah don't expect the vikings to like lock, clamp everybody down in man coverage they they're, they're going to be starting like juwan williams and and a fifth round pick or and a fourth round pick at points that's going to have its rough moments a caleb evans is arguably your cb2 juwan williams might be your cb3 Booth is probably CB4 trying to battle for CB3. Blackman CB5 and uh and Ward is you know probably at the bottom of that list as well. Arif, uh your thoughts on the secondary? I I I don't see Jawan Williams being automatically CB. I'm sure he can win the job in camp, but to me I think Booth Yeah, is... just by tenure alone, yeah. he probably gets those reps team. early and then could easily lose them. Um, but I, I think that we'll come out of camp with um, with Byron Murphy and Andrew Booth. And then the question is, um, when Byron Murphy kicks inside, you know, who's playing on the outside? And I think that it's going to be a fairly even. I just I don't have a ton of uh, confidence in Jawan Williams winning that job. So to me, that's probably a competition between Mikhail Evans and, and Makai Blackman. And then I think that's kind of where Jawan Williams probably has an opportunity to kind of insert himself into the conversation because he could very easily be better than both of them. Um, but I think that likely that that's the scenario, which means that, you know, you've got a, a cornerback group that um, has played a total of like, I don't know, like 100 snaps for the Vikings last year. <laughs> maybe where you're at um but yeah that's that's to me what that cornerback group looks like sorry luke what was that just real quick i, I wanted to add that quasi did say about makai blackman that uh he part of the reason they liked him was inside outside flexibility so that's probably the plan is to have him play both inside and outside so byron murphy might be a pure outside guy that'd be kind of interesting it really depends on i guess or, or you do both shadow or whatever yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that would also be funny, uh, but uh, you, yeah. I shouldn't knock Shout Byron Murphy first. too much. I mean, he had a pretty good year last year. He's just, he doesn't have a strong enough history of production for me to be like confident that he can be, you know, a, a true shutdown. Um, if it is, if it is best that he's the one that shadows people, if we shadow, you know, I, I think that that is fine. It's just kind of a funny thought. Um, and then I think from the, the secondary, that one is just, I think that, or, or the safety position, that one's going to be really interesting, right? Because a coordinator like Flores is pretty comfortable putting three or even four safeties out there, depending on matchups and, and kind of what's happening uh, and the way that you game plan throughout the week, which might be, you know, what Luke said is that you might see, you know, a Jay Ward contributing a little bit more often than you'd expect. You might see, you know, uh, Cameron Bynum rolling down into the slot. You might see, you know, Lewis Seen playing um, as a linebacker sometimes. I don't know. Um, but that, I think it's going to be a pretty interesting dynamic one. I'm just not confident it's necessarily going to be good. I think the fact that scene had so much difficulty before he got injured, um, you know, cracking the starting lineup. I think that that's a concern. I think the fact that Cameron Bynum didn't play all that well last year is a concern. Um, I think that much of that has to do with the coaching the Vikings had on hand. You know, I think that Cameron Bynum played pretty well under Zimmer. I think that that's probably for a reason, right? So, um, you know, if the coaching is resolved, maybe Bynum is pretty good. Maybe Lewis Seen is going to be able to learn a little bit better or a little bit faster or, or, or know what he needs to do at a better rate. But right now, based off of what we know, that safety group aside, obviously from Harrison Smith, um, and it's not like Harrison Smith's at his peak or anything like that, um, that remains a concern. And like Luke said, you know, the Vikings entered the offseason with a ton of problems. Uh, it was unlikely that they'd be able to fix all of these problems coming out of both free agency and the draft. Um, but you know, so it's not like a, a fault, but I think that just in terms of identifying where the biggest issues from a concern standpoint are to me, it's the, it's that secondary, because I think the linebacker stuff doesn't matter as much. I'd prefer if it wasn't Jordan Hicks. Um, but I think that defensive line is going to play a little bit better than I think a lot of people expect, even if I don't love the interior pass rush. I, I want to kind of get the, your depth chart thoughts on a lot of these picks. Um, Jordan Addison, if you watch the phone call or the war rooms uh footage that the vikings released kevin o'connell he's muttering to himself he's saying this guy's a day one starter 
Um, and I like the pick because when the Vikings in the past have assumed that a wide receiver three can just magically become the wide receiver two when someone leaves, hasn't always worked out well. Uh, and I love KJ Osborne, and I think I think that you do it for one of two reasons. Number one, maybe KJ Osborne isn't quite a wide receiver two. Um, I think he's pretty good, but maybe he's not quite a wide receiver two. Or the second reason, if he is a great wide receiver two, you are not going to be able to afford him next year, and you need to have Jordan Addison on your roster. That's why you draft Jordan Addison, so that you would ensure that in 2024 you are still set. Um, do you think? the Vikings will give Osborne the job to start, or do you think that can be won by Jordan Addison via performance? Like first day of camp, I think you probably like, just default to putting the, the veteran with the yeah. ones, but but yep. in 11 personnel, it doesn't matter. They'll, they'll both be on. Um, and then it's just a matter of how long does it take Jordan Addison to win that from KJ Osborne. Might take the whole preseason process. Who knows? Uh, yeah, I, I think that we're going to start with Osborne as the wide receiver too. It wouldn't shock me if um, if if Osborne begins the season also a wide receiver too. I mean, it's not like we're not in the Zimmer era, yeah. so it, maybe it's not as 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 common or likely for a, a first round receiver to have to like earn it in the same way. But I mean, you know, Justin Jefferson didn't start for a couple of games. That I'm always going to remember that. <laughs> Right. And so yeah. um, they did the same thing with scene. They put Bynum over him and then scene didn't win that job. Like that does like, that's pr- not right. A yeah. Thing he just, that is and he straight up didn't win the job. Like it's not even like, yeah. yeah. Um, and so uh, I, I think that's possible. Uh, every coaching staff is going to treat this a little bit differently, but my read on it is likely that Osborne is probably going to be playing more snaps, at least for a good chunk of the early part of the season. Who can Osborne, have a better experience getting promoted in the wide receiver pecking order than Cordero Patterson uh, replacing Greg Jennings in 2014, BC Johnson in 2020, Charles Johnson in 2015, or Laquan Treadwell in 2017. Do you think that uh that KJ can can last longer? Doesn't he already have like more yards then- than all of those dudes? Didn't Treadwell get Treadwell had exactly. a, a ridiculous so. amount of snaps in I his said first yards. Three years. What? <laughs> I said yards, not snaps. <laughs> <laughs> was was 2017 or was 2018 the random year where Treadwell had the most like insane camp ever? And we were like, is this happening? And then it didn't. I think it was 2018. It, it might it might have been 18. Was it 2018? Yeah, because I because I that think we'd already written him off when we were like, what is going on here? <laughs> and like we we would report on it in camp we'd be like yeah Treadwell's doing an amazing job and then people would ask like does that mean he can and we're like i wouldn't go that far i let's not but we gotta know yeah (laughs) yeah we gotta know that this is pretty amazing but no i'm not gonna let's hold it back chill 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 chill. yeah right yeah all right that's wide receiver how about Dwayne McBride? We haven't talked about him yet. My How do you pick of the draft? Yeah, two twenty-two. I love him. I I, I, I think love the he, he. I think he is too. Where does he fit in? Uh, I, I mean, like I don't even know who's going to make the team. Right, it's a seventh-round pick at a running back position that the Vikings have a lot of people at. Right, but I hope he does. Right, is, is the thing. Um, right, because you've got you know Dalvin. You know the Vikings didn't get rid of him unless I missed some news. Um, you've got Alexander Madison. You've got Ty Chandler. You've got uh, Kenny Wongu, right? And the Vikings have a couple of returners, so we don't know if Kenny is going to, you know, make the team this year. It would kind of suck. It'd be fun. It's been fun kind of speculating on on how good he could potentially be. But, you know, with Ty Chandler and Kenny Wongu, you can see a committee kind of form with the, with the potential for someone like Dwayne McBride, who wasn't asked to pass protect a lot, wasn't asked to catch the ball a lot. But what he was asked to do was ball. And he absolutely did that. He was, he was incredible. Um, you know, Luke and I were talking the very last episode that we had that one of one of the regrets about the way that running back discourse has evolved over the course of the past couple of years is that we stop evaluating running back skills and have a good understanding of what matters and what doesn't because we we've short circuited that part of the conversation. But to me, the things that matter the most, the two things that matter the most are vision and contact balance, especially contact balance. And I don't know that there's a, a better contact balance guy in the draft than Dwayne McBride. It's so hot. <laughs> 
Like he can, he can he can take on all kinds of hits and stay upright. You know, he's got the ability to punish. He can be the hammer more than the nail. Um, you know, he does such a great job of of churning out like additional yards beyond contact, whether that contact comes from a defensive tackle or from a safety, right? Um, you know, he's not gonna run a four three if he ever runs. I don't think he ran a forty. If he did, it was probably a four five. Um, but he, you know, he's not gonna run away from people. Um, and that's fine. Alexander Madison didn't run away from people. And I think that it's still fair to call him athletic in a couple of respects. Um, and, and I think that you're probably getting a guy that's going to be able to turn a four yard gain into a seven yard gain. I really like watching him play. Now he needs to have an understanding of what pass protection looks like. Like if he wasn't asked to do it, he probably, and this is just, this is all probabilistic statements. I could be wrong. He probably doesn't have a good understanding of what the pass protection rules are, which is an issue that Alexander Madison had for a couple of years. Um, and, you know, his technique may not be there, but certainly he's got the physical capability to be a good, um, you know, pass blocker. And then we don't know if he can catch. Like, I'm not saying he can't. I'm saying we just don't know. Kind of like with Jarek McKinnon. We had no idea whether or not he could catch because he was a quarterback, right? And so uh, it is entirely possible that, you know, he could be a pretty good pass catcher. It's entirely possible he could be a good pass uh, blocker, but we don't know. Um, right now, I would project him to potentially be, I think the Vikings took him in part so that they could have a vision for what a running back committee might look like going a couple of years into the future. I think that that's probably, and and if they ever move on from Dalvin Cook, I shouldn't say ever, if they move on from Dalvin Cook sooner rather than later, that would mean that you've got kind of a primary all-around back in Madison, who, you know, he's not going to be a home run threat. And then you've got, you know, the stable of backs that can include, you know, pass catchers and outside guys like either Chandler or uh, or Wangwu, and, and a guy that can just pound the rock up the middle, like someone like Dwayne McBride. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Feels like we're headed for for a uh, a post June one with Dalvin. Is that I, the vibe that, you get, Braun? I, I think they tried to trade him on draft weekend, and then barring that, now they cut him. And whether they do it pre or post June one is just a question of it, where they want to put the the cat burden of that. Um, but that's yeah, all the reports are, and maybe they still try to trade him. Maybe there's a team out there that really wanted a running back but missed out on the guy they wanted or something, and they're trying to work that out. We'll see. Quasi also said we're always, you know, open to conversations about contract. Maybe there's a way you work it out with Dalvin. I don't foresee that, but sure, it's still an option. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think the committee of like Madison, Ty Chandler, and then maybe you're competing with like Wongu, who will make the team on special teams one way or another, but whether or not he actually gets in from scrimmage. Um, and I'm putting Ty Chandler above as more of a prediction. I don't think it starts that way, but it's just the way the team has talked about him it seems like they like him more. So I'm just kind of reading into that. Uh, and then, you know, we'll see where, where McBride fits into that. If at all, certainly not unheard of for seventh round picks to not make the team. So let's right. not go putting anything in ink quite yet. Uh, but I, I see the kind of vision of that, where you have somebody that like Ty Chandler, if I recall his whole thing coming out was pass protection. So like, there's your kind of third down guy. Uh, and then we'll see if McBride can, kind of worm his way into that that rotation somehow um but i that all shakes itself out in camp from here arif i don't know if uh as a national football writer you have time to sift through vikings udfas but i'm curious if you or Bron have any nuggets from the udfa class which by the way the vikings took care of business i got that email like saturday it's night so fast because I'm still in, on the Vikings email list. That yeah, was so fast. It was crazy. What time? What seven oh nine on Saturday? <laughs> when did the draft get done? Five. So my and they got uh, your my guy, darling, Sam. My darling, Andre Carter. Yeah. Yes. Who I'm? I'm pretty sure. Back in January, I think there were mock drafts that had him in the first round. Back and in I may, January, I may yes, have suggested, there were, yes, yes, yeah. 
Yeah. I may have and then he had an abysmal pre-draft process that, that at some point. Yeah. I would, I probably yeah. said something like, Oh, if the Vikings could get Carter in the third or the fourth. And uh, I think we they did got that him. on this show. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So gr- <laughs> yeah, we did a mock draft on the show. I think we took him in the second. <laughs> also terrible take by me, but Andre Carter is my favorite because I recognize him. Uh, how about you guys? Uh, because it's a super fun I, thing. The, the Carter thing is like really interesting. Seeing how his athleticism people, will develop. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it, it should be. Um, a lot of people were saying he fell out of the draft because of how poorly he did at the senior bowl. And that's like, not how that works. Uh, <laughs> like, like you can fall a couple of rounds, you know, potentially based off of what you do in the all-star circuit. So, but even that's pretty rare. You're probably going to fall one round, but really the senior bowl is about raising stock more than it is about dropping stock. Um, you know, he got bullied a ton, I guess, at the senior bowl, more likely there were a number of questions than his inability to resolve those questions at the senior bowl, you know, kind of solidified the fact that, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't going to be picked, but I'm still surprised he didn't get picked. I wonder if, the constant uncertainty about service members, right. In, and their capability to play may have played a role. Um, it's, it's, it's always kind of tough to say because the rules are changing fairly frequently um, in regards to that. Um, I mean, even in the same, you know, presidential administration, the rules go back and forth. And so um, I, that may play a role in it as well. Um, but you know, he's a, he's, I, I don't think he's a great athlete. I think that he's a reasonably good athlete for a drafted player and a very good athlete for an undrafted player. Uh, and that is kind of what matters the most at that position. I'm pretty curious about Ivan Pace, who is also, uh, uh, really high on the, in fact, I think it was Pace and Carter, I think were the two highest undrafted free agents on the consensus big board. I think that that's the case. Um, Pace is interesting because he played for four years at Cincinnati, but he only started for one. Now, Cincinnati obviously has had a pretty great program. Their defense has been really phenomenal, and it's been actually kind of difficult for players um, that are draftable to be able to crack that roster. And so I, I'm not going to knock him a ton, just like I wouldn't knock any one-year Alabama starters, but I, I think that He was a portal only- guy, by the way. Just quick correction. Portal guy. He went from right, yeah, Miami, he Ohio. From Miami, Ohio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and he, and he, and he led, um, the Mac in tackles, I think, but, um, but, you know, he, he had a really astounding season. The thing about him is that, you know, um, he's like five ten or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and you just kind of, you, you don't always know wh- where a player like that goes defensively. There's just like not a lot of defensive positions outside of slot corner where five ten works for you. And the guy is not. 510 215 you can make him a safety. The guy is 230 pounds, right? And so um, you know, he's he's um he's probably going to have to lose some I think he lost some weight at his pro day, but he's probably going to have to um learn a little bit, but you know, he's instinctive, he's got pretty good play speed. Um he plays with a chip on his shoulder, you know. Um he plays mean. So um I'm kind of excited. I think that he is a perfect special teamer. I think that he's built for special teams. Um and I wonder if in 2-3 years he he could he could make the case to be a starter. I think that that is entirely possible. He led linebackers in college football in sacks and run stops last year. That's crazy. That's pretty wild. That's really good. That linebacker room too is like very, yeah, that linebacker room is very crackable. You've got like Troy Dye and Troy Reader as penciled in rostered players right now. Like that is a definitely a group that if you show out in the preseason, that those guys are not exactly entrenched. I think you can totally crack that room. Um, we got a Joe Webb though. Oh yeah, the um southeastern Louisiana guy. Yeah, see, playing wide receiver kind of for the first time was was the yep. was a quarterback. I I'm I'm locking him into a practice squad slot because he can be like a great scout team quarterback for when you got to prepare for Patrick Mahomes this year. <laughs> Who's this guy? And then we'll see if he can learn how to be Taysom Hill. Cephas Johnson, the third, a reach. 6'5", 220, two years with South Alabama, three years with Southeastern Louisiana. Jesus. I'm a fan. Uh, okay. I'm just reading the Brugler report. I'm not going to pretend like I've watched this guy. I love every receiver named Cephas. I will say that. Uh, <laughs> um, so... Uh, there's that. And I love quarterback converts. I remember what was it? Stone smart came out last year. I was like a huge fan of him. 
Um, let's see, he ran a four five seven at two hundred twenty three pounds. Had a thirty six inch, thirty six and a half inch vert. Four three. He's reasonably athletic. I wouldn't say he's Joe Webb. Joe Webb was one of the greatest receiver athletes of all time, and he no, just happened guy. to play quarterback. This guy's <laughs> wide receivers had bricks for hands. His wide receivers at South Alabama dropped 12 balls in 2019, and last year his receivers dropped 13. His adjusted completion percentage is stellar. Johnson's a good-sized athlete with a strong arm and run instincts to create plays with the ball in his hands. He frequently broke tackles on tape due to his body strength and footwork to force complicated angles. With only three career college receptions, he is unproven as a route runner and pass catcher. Yeah. Overall, Johnson <laughs> yeah, is in the mold of... of former Buffalo quarterback Tyree Jackson. That's not fair. Big athlete whose best chance for an NFL career is transition to wide receiver slash tight end. Tyree Jackson was also yeah, that was most of his athlete. pre-draft. <laughs> most of his pre-draft was people trying him out at wide receiver and seeing if he can make it. But every like article I looked up was like the next Taysom Hill, who also is like a phenomenal athlete. We don't, we don't have a lot of testing good data. Athlete. All he did was I... run it. Yeah. <laughs> like I, people we, we don't have impressed... a lot of data. Maybe he would have run an awesome 40, but he did not. He doesn't have that in like RAS database. At yeah. Least. Uh, people, people compress quarterback athleticism a lot. Like there's the elites and people are like, okay, yeah, you've got your Anthony Richardson's and your Lamar Jackson's and your Michael Vick's. And that's one category. And then they just like treat pretty good athletes all the same. Right. And so, and so you don't get any gradations between, you know, people like your Cam Newton's, who's a really high level, you could even say elite near, near elite athlete and your Logan Thomas's and your Tyree Jackson's. And they treat them the same as like guys that are like pretty good athletes. Like I know that Andrew Luck's testing numbers are suspiciously close to Cam Newton, but if you watch them, they're pretty different as athletes. Andrew Luck is a, a very good athlete. And I would not put him in the same category as Logan Thomas and Tyree Jackson. Right. And it's just very, we, like we, we treat all of these guys the same. It's like, this guy's probably not as, and this is not a knock. I know it's going to sound like a knock. Uh, see this Cephas Johnson guy, at least based off of his testing numbers, again, I haven't watched him. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, he's probably not as good of an athlete as Josh McCown was. And so, and McCown was a crazy good athlete. Um, and so we, we should at least be cognizant of the fact that this guy is probably a very good athlete, but you know, it, it's not, it's not Joe Webb. Luke. It's not Joe Webb. Don't wet blanket Luke's UDFA crush. <laughs> it's, it's the same guy. No, okay. You, I will it's not so stand for, for uh, anything that even comes close to Joe Webb slander. I just, oh, that's fair. Look up Joe right. Webb's testing numbers, man. <laughs> yeah, no, it's insane. You know, like, like his his web, like his analytics web is like full. It's like yeah, full it's, it's on like, every. Yeah, I am surprised category. that he did not get. There were no Anthony Richardson, Joe Webb comparisons. Honestly, like Anthony Richardson, greatest quarterback athlete we've ever seen go through the combine. Joe Webb's up there, man. The uh, the Colts, by Joe the Webb's way, got there, yeah. every draft crush that I think we discussed or I discussed on this show and with Inman on that show, they got Richardson, Brent downs rush. Yeah. Um, the Northwestern guy who I struggled to pronounce a little bit. I apologize to him. Just say Tommy, um, Tommy out of, uh, of a worry. Oh, that's easier. It's, it's the fact that there's two difficult names, not just one. Yeah. yeah. But he, he often goes by Tommy. So, okay. That's good to know. Um, like Oli Udo, Oli shortening the first name helped a lot. Right. Um, have you guys dug thing. into the kicker that's going to take Greg Joseph's spot? There's a kicker? See, I, see, you may right. remember if his, you watched group. if you watched Georgia, Ohio State, you may remember he was on the cusp of pulling a Daniel Carlson and missing three field goals and losing the game by two, but he made the last one and they won and they went to the championship. Sorry, that's who the Vikings so. got? <laughs> the Georgia kicker, yeah. When you can pick up a kicker, a, a championship kicker, by the way, um, who is nine of seventeen career from forty between forty and forty nine yards, you have to do it. <laughs> Three year yeah. Georgia kicker, and you have to go like, well, he's used to the bright lights, and then like hope. But this could be a guy that doesn't even make it to camp. Honestly, I don't I, think okay, this so is. Was, I don't think it's a serious competition. The thing about kickers, <laughs> like Gabe Bursick. Is uh, right, never gave him a chance. The thing about kickers is that, um, unless they're elite in college, like Zane Gonzalez, who did not turn out to be a phenomenal kicker in the NFL, but unless they're elite in college, um, 
their kicking statistics are not going to tell you very much because they don't get very good coaching at the college level. And so it's very much your special teams coach is going down and scouting traits and then thinking about ways that they can mechanic. It's it's like, Luke, when you said earlier in this episode, you know, coaches are always like, I can fix that guy. That's all kicking and punting scouting is all of it is. I can, Oh fix my God. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so Daniel Carlson it's all being a, a golf horrible college kicker. Right. Yeah, right? exactly. Daniel Carlson's a great example. Justin mm-hmm. Tucker was a, pretty decent kicker at Texas. Right. And he's the greatest kicker in NFL history. Like it, it's just, it, that's just kind of how it goes. Um, and like you, you take a look at like, you know, these really high, which is why, like, I thought it was funny that was it uh, San Francisco drafted a kicker, right? Jake Moody, um, the greatest kicker in Michigan history. Right. And it's like, okay. But I mean, like the guy that the Buccaneers drafted in the second round was one of the greatest kickers in Florida state history. Right. Like, it's just like, <laughs> that's, it's not really. Yeah. Why? That's it. Which I think his brother also yeah. entered the draft at one point, like a year or two later. And people were like, I don't know. The genes have yips. I don't know. <laughs> it's just like a really <laughs> weird. Like, <laughs> Genetic yips. Very, yeah. People How do we just test very yips? weird about it. But like a lot of the kickers that we like a lot in the NFL, we're just like not that good in college. So if you're if you're spending a draft pick on a kicker, like whatever, I just th- probably don't do that. But if it's an undrafted free agent and it's like this guy from Georgia who like missed a bunch of important kicks, it's like, yeah, I can see why you're rolling your eyes and you're probably right because most kickers in the NFL just don't pan out. And so the odds are that, you know, you might as well roll your eyes. But I mean, that's just kind of how kicker scouting goes. Like these guys often suck in college because they just don't get coaching. They just don't get coaching. Yeah. Uh, and so um, it, it's one of those scenarios where player development truly happens at the NFL level, where a lot of positions, the player development happens at the college level. So I, I will say that. So you're saying there's a chance there's for a chance. Jack Podlesny to be the Vikings yeah. kicker. It's not a good Matt one. Daniels working his magic. Yeah, I mean, hey, he's done a lot. A bunch of guaranteed money on Greg Joseph's contract too. I don't think that they intend for that to be a real competition, but anything's possible. Who knows? People are putting kickers on practice squads now. So, yeah, guys, that was fun. Let's uh, let's continue talking draft this week on the Minnesota Football Party. Luke Inman back tomorrow. He's authoring the uh, NFL Draft Buzz postmortem newsletter, recapping the draft. Subscribe to that. Lockedonpodcast.com/slash/newsletters. Arif and Luke back with us on Thursday on the Minnesota Football Party. Subscribe on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks so much for watching today. Signing off on Lockdown Sports Minnesota. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 